This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hopeland Church. It's super excited to start with part three of All Good Things. All right, it's it's holiday season, and uh, we're talking about the goodness of God and how good He is. And so we're going to jump right into the Word. I hope you enjoyed the worship, and I hope you get something out of the Word today. All right, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Word. As we approach your table, we pray that you speak to us, you change us, and we get something from you. So we can take it into our week today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said amen. All right, turn in your Bibles. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 to 22. I'm gonna read a a relatively uh, uh, large portion of scripture here. Um, Once again, 2 Timothy 21, verses 15 to 22. Just give you a little background. This is at the end of David's life. Um, Just two chapters after this, the Bible states that David said his last words, okay? And so this is when he's a little bit older um, and kind of at the tail end of things, but um, we're going to look at the goodness of God in his life, Um, but we're going to look at the end of his life first. So here we go. Let me read this now, 2 Samuel 21, verse 15 to 22, and it reads, when the Philistines we're at war again, at war again, at war again with Israel. David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines. And David grew faint. He's getting old. Okay. Verse 16. Then Ishbi Benab, who was one of the sons of the giant, uh, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, uh, thought he could kill David. Verse 17, but Abishai, the son of Zeruah, uh, came to his aid, struck the Philistine, and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, you shall go no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. You know, you're getting old, David. All right, we got your back. So verse 18, now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Again, everybody say that with me, say again, with the Philistines, a battle Again, again, a battle with the Philistines, all right? Uh, at Gob, then um, Sebekai and uh, Sebekai the, the Hushathite uh, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Verse 19, again, there was war at Gob with, the, again, verse 19, everybody say war again. So again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines, where, um, Elhanan, the son of Jer, Oregim, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite. The, the, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Verse 20, yet again, there was war. Somebody say again. All right, again, there was war at Gath, uh, where there was a man of great stature uh, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number. All right, and he also was born to the giant. 
Verse 21, so when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, killed him. Here it is, verse 22. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So I just want to look at that. Here's the end of David's life and the man is still fighting. All right, again, again, and again, and again. And this is the point, right? We all know this, but um, I just want to encourage you today that, um, that, 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 you know, this life, right? Walking with Jesus, there is, it is a fight. The, the Apostle Paul called it the good fight of faith, right? Um, the, the scriptures in the word of God referencing warfare as just a reality of our walk with God, okay? So Ephesians chapter six, it talks about the armor of God. There's other places in some of the letters where it, where it specifically mentions armor that we wear, right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and heavenly places, right? And so the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to pulling down strongholds. So, so our walk with God, man, this thing is a battle. This thing is a fight. So um, here it is, David. I, I believe this is a good picture of, of the Christian life, right? Uh, Jesus being the son of David and, and um he being um, in covenant with God and walking with God, yet his life at times, there it was a fight. He had to fight through things and come against things. It's very interesting that if you were to look at David's uh, life, in some ways it began with conquering one giant. It ended with conquering four, right? So the, the battle... Uh, continued, right? The fight continued. There were moments of, 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 of victory in the sense that he won battles along the way, right? And, and he, and, and, and all that good, and, and all that good stuff of walking with Jesus, overcoming things, pressing through things, right? Um, you know, facing things, you know, in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good courage. Jesus has overcome the world. We're more than conquerors, right? And so uh, with all of this here, I want to look at the life of David because God's goodness was on his life and he um, in and through life still had to battle some things and fight through some things. He was met with the family of the giant he had once conquered as a young man at the end of his life. You know, he, 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 the, 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 the enemy um, is trying to seek who he may devour. He, we are in a warfare here. I, as um, Martin Luther, this thought came to me, as Martin Luther King Jr. said in one of his speeches, you know, there are difficult days ahead, okay? Now, that was contextual with what was going on in the time, but I'm telling you, as a Christ follower, as a Christian, there are difficult days ahead ahead. It's not over, right? We have, we, it's, it, there's no, you know, we have moments of rest. We rest in his presence, but it's not like we're going to experience some, some sort of, um, you know, uh, like we can just relax and let our guard down. Uh, Bible says, you know, watch and pray, be alert, sober minded, right? We, you know, the, the, this world we live in is fallen. We have Jesus with us, 
but we got to learn how to weather the storm, how to fight through, how to how to how to fight the good fight of faith, how to finish our race, how to um, complete what God has called us to do. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. There's going to be wars within and wars without. Things coming against us. Things stirring in us that are coming against us. But here we go. Here we go. So this is my first point: is this God is good through the battle. He is good through the battle. He is good through it. He's good before it. He's good in it. He's good after it. Okay. But he is good through the battle. I love this about David. We're going to really look at David here, but um, I love that he was fatigued or he fainted in a sense, or he grew faint. Um, but I love that he was fatigued, but he did not flee. Right. He, he grew faint, but he did not forfeit. Come on, somebody. Things were happening. He was getting older, different. I mean, but he was up in it still. This is the point. He still fought. He was still fighting. Now, we don't fight how they fought. You know, we're, we're, this is not against flesh and blood. This is against um, principalities and powers. That That is, that is uh, what is against us. But we're going to fight until the day we cross over in, in, to be with Jesus for eternity. All right. So, so, so that is the nature of the world we are in. Okay. And so look, he might have um, felt run down, but he refused to run. And we have to carry that same spirit with us that, man, I'm going to continue in this. I didn't, I didn't sign up for this just because it's easy or feels good. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to be a follower of Christ through thick and thin, come hell or high water. I'm up in this thing with Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. Come on. We need to have that same spirit that David had. Okay. You know, there, there's something good from God on the other side of your battle. All right. Um, David, uh, I, I love this, you know, but David began his, you know, his glory with the conquest of one giant. And here concludes it with the conquest of four. The battle didn't end. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to keep on keeping on. Somebody say amen. We're going to keep on keeping on. God is good through the battle. God is good through the battle, folks. God is good through the battle. Um, and so I want to look at uh, Psalm 27, verse 10 to 12. Now, this is a psalm written by David. Um, he wrote this, and um, I love this portion of scripture here, okay? Let's read verses 10 to 12. So in looking at David's life, him fighting through things, going through things, having to deal with what life and the enemies of Israel dealt him, and here we go, um, Psalm 27, verse 10, it says this, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Everybody say enemies. Verse 12, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. Everybody say adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me. Everybody say false witnesses. And such as breathe out violence. Say breathe out violence. All right. So look at this. Mother and father forsake me. Enemies, adversaries, false witnesses, and they're breathing out violence. All right. So David 
was not a stranger to a battle, to fight, to going through things, to uh, be uh, a person that walked with God, was anointed by God, but life wasn't always cute. Life experiences with people and situations and his own battles. I mean, you know, his battles with King Saul, you know, him having to go through things in his own family, his own mistakes and having to navigate those and repent from those and get things right and having like good people around him like Nathan and Samuel that were speaking into his life on his journey with God. Look at, he was no stranger, stranger to the battles of life. Battles are a reality of life. Okay, we're talking about the goodness of God and we're gonna get there here. But right in the middle of all this, this is how life is at times. It is our experience of life and even walking with Jesus. So the question is, how do I navigate them, right? How do I navigate this? Because David's situations were very specific to his life, but they apply to ours, right? Like this is part of life. So the question is, and hopefully we can help to answer this a little bit today, is how do I navigate these things, you know? How do I position myself as I find myself in them, in battles, in struggles, tribulations, and trials? And where is God good in all of this? Or how is God good in all of this? All right, so let's move on here. Verse 13, Psalm 27, verse 13, it reads this. It reads as thus, verse 13, I would have lost heart. So after explaining all that, I think I would have too. Mother and father forsake me. I got enemies, all right. Um, you know, I got adversaries. I got people talking about me behind my back, false witnesses lying about me. And I got people breathing out violence. And then we just read a portion of scripture at the very end of his life, which was a pattern in his life that he was a, he was a fighter. He was, you know, he was conquering for the kingdom of God and battling and fighting was a normal part of his life. Okay. And here it is. I would have lost heart. And, and here, here it is right here, guys. This is what we're going to talk about today. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. This is verse 14. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. These portions of scripture are really a microcosm of our walk with God and life as we know it. Let's read verse 13 and 14 again, because the ones we read before talk about the battles of life, the reality of the battle, the reality of trial, the reality of suffering, the reality of struggle, the reality of tribulation. And here it is, verse 13, I would have lost heart. I would have, I would have lost heart. I would have fallen faint unless I had believed that I would see the goodness. Everybody say goodness unless I would have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. I would have lost heart, but he shall strengthen your heart. God is good through the battle. He will strengthen you when you are weak, 
He will be your strength when you are weak. In your, in his strength, you are made strong, right? In our weakness, he makes us strong. Hallelujah. And so here it is. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait. He says it again. And wait, I say, on the Lord. Okay. All right. Here we go. So I would have lost heart. I would have. I think we ought to have that in our, in our, our, our walk with God, in the reality of our existence that we should have some past tense. Man, I would have, I would have, but God, I, I mean, I would have lost heart. I mean, this, this could have been, this could have gotten bad, but it didn't. I would have, looking back at this trials, the tough times, the struggles, man, I would have, man, I would have, but I didn't. I could have fallen off and, and, and fell into sin or I, I, I would have, but I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. Very interesting. Our translators uh, have taken a little liberty with this first portion of scripture because I would have lost heart is omitted in the original Hebrew. It's not that our translators have put in something that is contradictory to scripture or anything, but they kind of filled it in. This is why, because in the Hebrew language, many times if things are omitted and it's kind of a broken sentence, it's, it's saying that there's emotion in here. That there, this is, you, you fill it in with emotion. Okay, so it's kind of like those scriptures say, oh, how good, you know, O-H, oh, you know, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, right? There's emotion in this. There is, it is a word, but there's more than the word going on. Okay, so I would have lost, I was really like, oh, you know, this is more of a, contemplated inference, okay? So it's more like a question that 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 the that David is asking in himself. He's almost he's just contemplative like, "Oh, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living." If you look at the verses before, you can understand his emotion He's talking about adversaries and enemies and people breathing violence and I'm rejected by my own parents. And oh, unless I had believed, come on somebody, unless, I mean, that I would have lost heart has been added. It's kind of filling in the emotion there. But it, it really just reads, unless I had believed, come on somebody, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Mm -mm -mm. I don't know where I'd be without it. Come on now. Oh my goodness. Praise God. So the question should never be, is God good? But rather, do I believe that he is good? This is what the psalmist was saying. He was saying, man, I just don't know. I mean, unless, oh, unless I had believed. Mm -mm -mm. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, mm-mm-mm. Unless I had believed. Man, there's some tough times back there. I've, got, I've been through some things, been through some struggles, but unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. My goodness. All right. Unless I had believed. Unless, unless I had believed. Talked about his struggles there. First, uh, Couple of scriptures there. First, 
verse 10 to verse 12. All struggle, all struggle, all trouble, all tribulation, tough times, emotionally, emotional, hurtful, hard, tough, struggle. Unless I had belief, all right? Here it is. Here's my next point. Belief, belief stabilizes us in purpose, all right? This is why, because this word believe, believe, unless I had believed, this word believed, it means continuance, okay? It means steadfast. It means to be permanent or quiet. It means to be quiet, all right? The quiet, permanent, steadfast, continuance, okay? So there's, there's this connotation of resilience, Unless I continued, unless I was steadfast, unless I was permanent, and at times just, just quiet confidence, unless I had been that way. See, belief isn't flighty, whimsical, theoretical, or soft, okay? Belief isn't always loud, boisterous, emotional, or reserved for theatrics. Belief is a stabilizing factor. We as a church, you know, we love to get loud. We love to praise God. We, we, we you know, the, the, that is part of our worship and our praise. We love to, to dance and to jump and to pray and lift our voice, make a joyful noise. But belief, that isn't all, all of what belief is. This is different here. This is, this, this kind of belief here, by definition, actually means quiet. It's you know, belief isn't always this loud, boisterous, out overtly emotional, demonstrative. It's not theatrics, okay? Strong belief, strong belief, strong faith can be quiet and still and hard to identify on the surface, okay? Um, that's what this is, unless I believe. This is the definition of this word. By definition, belief is concrete, Belief is a foundation. Belief is solid. Belief is stable. Belief is consistent. Belief is fidelity. This is the kind of belief we're talking about here. Okay, it reveals itself. This type of belief reveals itself in real life on a street level and has stabilizing properties. This type of belief is not always overt, but it is there. It is under the surface, but it is solid. It's kind of like those icebergs that have a little peak outside of the water, but you look underneath and it's like this mountain iceberg. You only see a little bit on the surface, but there's a lot more going on underneath the surface than what you see. All right, so, so it reveals itself that way. You know a true believer, I'm telling you a true believer by their continuance, their steadfastness, their permanence. This is belief, this is faith, all right? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, belief, belief, folks, belief, unless I had believed that I would see. All right, let's go to Mark chapter five. Here we go. I'm gonna read this quickly here. It's a little narrative here of Jesus um, interacting with Jairus, okay? Um, here we go. Mark 5, 35 to 42. I'm gonna read quickly. Once again, Mark 5, 
chapter, sorry, chapter five, verse 34 to 42. Here we go, verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the, from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. So this is Jairus. Why trouble the teacher any further? Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Verse 37, everybody say only believe. Verse 37, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. Why? He didn't want other people to speak in doubt into the situation. He wanted to guard this man. It's, it's awesome how in, in the last part of David's life, he conquered four giants, but he had some of his homeboys with him, right? And they're like, yo, we got you, man. And it, it even says at the end of that verse I just I, that I read in, in uh, 2 Samuel that it says, by the hand of David and his men. And even though David had to take a seat and let his men do some work, uh, you know, he was still part of that victory, all right? And so here's, when it comes to belief and the purpose of God on your life, I'm telling you, you gotta surround yourself with the right people. I'm telling you, your calling, your calling requires boundaries and those boundaries are for the purpose of keeping faith alive, keeping belief alive. Come on, somebody, you gotta surround yourself with believers, all right, verse 37, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother James. Verse 38, then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. Verse 39, when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Somebody say belief. Verse 40, and they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, he's like, y'all get out of here. Somebody say boundaries. I'm telling you, your faith your walk with God requires boundaries, okay? Boundaries, 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 okay? You don't need every person, whoever wants to say what they want and how they want, what they think and all their opinions and, and, just, and just unload on you. Come on, somebody say boundaries. All right, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to keep faith alive here. I ain't trying to get around people that are going to, that are going to choke the faith and belief in what God's going to do in my life. Get them out. And they ridiculed them, but when he had put them all, all outside, get out, get out. We're about to do some kingdom business. Get on up out of this house. Somebody say amen. He took the father and the mother of the, of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand, said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated little girl, say, I say to you, arise. Verse 42, immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. Somebody say belief. Here it is, my next point, folks. Guard what God has entrusted. All right, it, you know, uh, once again, Jesus said, do not be afraid. What did he say? Only, only believe, only, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else. When you're in a situation, that's the only thing you need to be doing is believing. When you find yourself in a trial, in a tribulation, in a battle, what is the one thing you have to do, you must do, it is required of you, only believe. Okay, not a little bit of believe, a little bit, of, get the doubt out, only believe. Hallelujah. Guard what God has entrusted. Guard the word. Guard what he's told you. Guard the dream he's given you. 
guard the vision he's given you. Not everybody's going to believe it. Not everybody's going to speak life over it. Not People are going to ridicule you. They're going to ridicule your faith. They're going to ridicule your confidence. They're going to ridicule your belief. That's what happened here. And then look, when God does it, check it out. It says they, they were overcome with great amazement. Guard what God has entrusted. Guard it, protect it, preserve it, watch over it. And why? It is valuable. It is worth guarding. Amen. All right. Here's the, here's the next thing. Here's the next thing I wanted to say. Next point. Prophetic vision is requisite. Prophetic vision is requisite. Without prophetic vision, prophetic revelation, people um, perish. Without vision, people perish. Without prophetic revelation, people cast off restraint. The, the, the psalmist said, David said in, in Psalm 27, verse 13, he said, unless I had believed that I would see. Unless I had believed that I would see meaning it wasn't there yet. It wasn't manifested. It did not come forth into the natural world yet, but he had to see, he had to see it. Prophetic vision is requisite. You cannot live without it. You can't follow God without it. You can't conquer and overcome and walk in victory and live out God's purpose on your life without it, without vision, Prophetic revelation, people cast off restraint. Restraint is boundaries. Without prophetic vision, we just let anybody talk however they want. We let any kind of, any Tom, Dick, and Harry come up in our life, say what they want, act how they want, bring all kind of mess into our life. I'm telling you, if you have prophetic vision, it is requisite for your purpose and prophetic vision it, by nature, having that living according to what God has said, what he's spoken over your life. I'm telling you, that's going to put some boundaries around your life. You need prophetic vision, the word of the Lord in your spirit and you seeing, believing that you would see and will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living prophetic vision is requisite to divine purpose. Hallelujah. There's no other remedy to life. We must believe that we will see, all right, his goodness in our life. We must, must believe that we're gonna see it. We're gonna, I, I see it. I don't, it isn't here yet, but I see it. It's not manifested yet, but I see it. Faith in God is that we have divine favor in view. I got it in view. I got it in view, man. I'm zeroing in on it. It's through the crosshairs of my prophetic. I see something that is not here. We must have prophetic vision, spiritual insight, spiritual sight. We must know things by the spirit of God. If we don't have spiritual vision, we will be drowned by the lies of this natural world. Somebody needs to say amen. Let's read it again. Psalm 27, verse 13. I would have lost heart. Oh, unless I had believed. Unless I had believed that I would see. Unless that I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Land of the living is the earth. And it, it, it's, it, this isn't a reference to heaven itself. 
It's a reference to our life on earth that we can see by the Spirit of God, God's goodness is going to happen for us here in the midst of trouble, struggle, trial, and tribulation that I can see unless I had believed, believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then it goes on to say, it says, wait, wait on the Lord. Verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait, wait, wait. Look at this, it's so good. Wait, I, I, I see it in my spirit, but it ain't here yet. Ah, uh, wait, okay, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I got something down in here. I see this thing. I, I've had a dream. I, I have a vision. I, God spoke to me, a prophetic word. I mean, I see things by the Spirit of God in my future. I see something by the Spirit, but it's not here yet. What is the answer? Wait. <laughs> wait on the Lord. And then it says again, wait, I say, on the Lord. All right, emphasis, wait, 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 wait. Look at somebody say, wait. Look at somebody else say, wait. Okay, so wait, this is what, I'm gonna give you the definition. Hebrew definition of the word wait here means to twist, to stretch, stretch, twist, stretch, it's tension. This is what it means, folks. Tension in waiting. Tension, that there is a margin between what I see here and what's happening here. There is tension between where I am in reality and what I see spiritually. That's waiting. That, 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 that is the Christian life, <laughs> right? That in some place, area of your life, you are waiting. And here it is. Twist, stretch, tension, and endure, and in tension in enduring. It's, it's, it's amazing. This word also means to gather together, to collect something. This word, when we are waiting, God is getting it all together, collecting to gather together. It means to twist, to gather. That this God is doing things while we are waiting. So waiting, here it is. I'm going to just give you this quickly here. I'm almost done. Almost done. But waiting is both sitting and serving. There is a dichotomy with waiting. There is a paradox here. Okay? So it is sitting at his feet and specifically listening and being still before him. Right? That's waiting. You know, sometimes in your prayer time you might think or look back on your prayer time, man, today, you know, I was just waiting on the Lord, just sitting still, literally, like physically, emotionally meant I'm just waiting on the Lord. All right. It, but it is also continuing in your calling, your vocation, and what you're called to do and being obedient in the will of God as this particular need is pending. So it is both sitting and serving. It is not one or the other, right? It is both. It is both contemplative, waiting, meditating on the word, 
waiting on him, listening to his voice. It is both contemplated and it is engaging that we, as we are, as we are serving, as we are blessing people, as we are worshiping, as we are disciplined in our Bible reading, as we are working our natural job and doing what we're called to do, that when it is unto the Lord, that is a form of waiting that I am both sitting at his feet and actually practically serving him at the same time. All right? Hallelujah. I'm waiting as I sit and I am waiting as I serve. All right? And the result, folks, of waiting, the result of patience, the result of long-suffering is always in God, is always Christ-likeness in us and the manifestation of his will through us. There is always something from God on the other side of your patience. Always count it all joy when you face various trials, knowing the trying of your faith produces patience and let patience have its perfect work that you might be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. There's always Christ-likeness in your life on the other side of patience. And there is always the manifestation of his will on the other side of patience. So this is my last point, and it is a question for you, and I can't answer it for you. But what it is that you see, what it is that God has spoken to you, what it is that good thing that he has before you, here's my question. Is it worth waiting for? All right, is it worth waiting for? I think I can answer it for you, yes. But maybe I should word it this way then. Um, are you willing to wait for it? I'm going to say it again. Are you willing to wait for it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would stir prophetic vision, Lord, spiritual revelation, spiritual insight. I pray that you would anoint our eyes with eye solve that we might see, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that our spiritual sight would come and be with clarity, that we would see things by the Spirit. As David said, Lord, unless we had believed that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I thank you, Lord, right now that your goodness is before us. Your goodness is in our future. You are doing things now. You are collecting and gathering and putting all the pieces together while we are in the waiting. So we thank you for your grace to wait it out, to remain faithful, to sit at your feet and to serve at the same time. We thank you, Lord, for this word and we thank you God that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in Jesus mighty name we pray 
Amen. So right now, I want to lead folks in a simple prayer of confessing Christ. I want to invite you to give your life, to surrender your life, to confess Jesus as Lord. If you've never done that, or you're coming back to him now, now is your moment. I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to walk you through how to initially and the beginning of your faith walk with him. So just simply repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I come to you as sinner and I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I confess you to be Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead and I receive your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. I am saved by grace through faith in your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise God. That is the most important prayer you will ever pray is coming to Jesus, receiving him into your life, and, 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 and giving your life to him. Hallelujah. And so if you want to grow in your walk, I want to send you a digital Bible study. We call it a digital devotional, just a seven-day Bible study, just about the basics of walking with Jesus. I want to text that to you. So if you'd like that, just text the word GROW, G-R-O-W, to 323-405-3232. Once again, text GROW to 323 Three, two, three, two. All right. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.